You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on your favorite podcast streaming platform like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbay, and Speaker. And last but not least, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is a proud member of the ChairShot Radio Network. My name is Miranda Morales. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, but I don't do this alone. No, oh no, oh no. I have two amazing co-hosts that I do this show with, and let's bring them in. The first one is the dashing one himself, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going? Oh, it's going fantastic. How's it going for you, Miranda? I am doing well. It's coming into the, just the season of the year where, you know, it's not super dark out anymore. and the Oh, I know. Nice yeah. It's, it's a beautiful Incredible. time of year. So I'm I'm thrilled. Um, and, yeah, I've, I want to bring in this other person in because I know his weather varies all the time. He's <laughs> the third member of our trio, and that's who? 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 It is the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. That's that's me. Uh, it's actually right he right now it is very lovely up here in the Pacific Northwest. So um like 70 and overcast in the morning and then sunny and nice by the the afternoon. Not 70, not 70 in the morning. It's not San Diego. This <laughs> <laughs> is awesome. That's that's yeah. nice. Dang, I just need to go places. I need to go places. But uh yes, I mean we've and and this is too, I mean, we, we have an anniversary. It varies depending on a pilot compared to the first episode, but we're pretty much reached the milestone of a full yeah. year of the Lucha yeah. Central Weekly Podcast. Yeah. There's no contesting it's a full year now. Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> the number fifty two says it all. Yes. So again, just, I mean, I say it again, but I know we always thank all of the listeners of this show, especially if you've been listening from the very beginning. A huge, huge thank you, uh, for being a listener of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Yes. It's been our yes. honor and pleasure to do this podcast with you for a whole calendar year through a pandemic. Uh, through no shows, through closed shows, uh, through releases, through hires, through new champions, through all of it, um, the good and the bad. So thank you. Thank you all who have listened to us. Uh, and we're going to be doing it for another year. Yeah. 
Hopefully well, many more years. Yeah, I mean many more years, <laughs> many more years. But like, just, we're doing it. We're doing it again. We're doing one more year. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I wanted to bring up real quick too is uh, this week, actually, as we are recording, is the new season of Vice TV's Dark Side of the Ring. Um, season three kicking off tonight as we record, uh, tomorrow as you listen, uh, on Vice TV. Uh, and this is actually the first two episodes is a two parter, um, regarding Brian Pillman. But earlier this week, they announced all of the topics that they're going to be covering this season. And some of them we already knew, some of them, um, you know, we, we weren't sure of, and we now have a sense of an order. So it's going to be a two part season, uh, 14 episodes that's going to be broken into seven and seven. Um, and from this list, there was a few that really caught my eye. One in particular, and I believe it's the anniversary of this, and that's the Collision in Korea show. Um, yes. And so that is the, the huge, uh, show between, uh, New Japan and WCW in, uh, North Korea. Who I know. I, that's just fascinating. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, no, it really I, was. Like Ric Flair in North Korea. Can you imagine? Like, I, uh, I'm surprised he made it out. I, I always get it with North Korea. Nothing can stop Ric Flair. That's not, true. Not even, you know, gosh, being in one of the most dangerous countries in the entire world. Only his own daughter can stop him. <laughs> she's dangerous. That, that's dangerous. Um, other topics being covered in part one of this season. Um, also, the Ultimate Warrior, Grizzly Smith, Nick Gage, and the Dynamite Kid. The second half of the season is going to be premiering in late summer, um, and that covers the WWF steroid trials. Um, FMW, Luna Vachonne, uh, XPW, which there's some, yeah. some ties to that, uh, Johnny K9, Chris Canyon, and of course, the plane ride from hell. <laughs> that, I, I, we, I was kept going on about this well before the show started. I can't believe there's a whole episode about the plane ride from hell, but. So many crazy same- things happened though. <laughs> At the same time, I'm going to be watching it with a big bowl of popcorn. <laughs> Just an Me awe too. What to say about it? I mean, it, it's really going to be. I mean, this is of wrestling folklore. Like this yeah. is an event that we have heard only in passing, as almost in joking. You know, uh, some people who were on that plane ride, you know, God bless their souls, are no longer here. And anyone who's left to tell about the story, you know, you just hear it kind of in vague paintbrush descriptions about it. And I'm I'm just curious how they got the information for all of this. Like, who is going to be to show up on that episode who was actually on that plane ride? Well, that was actually on the plane ride is a bit harder, but I'm I'm going to be very disappointed if they don't at least talk to Curtis Axel because, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to and that was in there. Yeah, maybe that was one of those things where that was an angle that they used in TNA too. So like, or yeah. whatever they were calling themselves back then. I think it was TNA back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could maybe talk to Brock Lesnar. 
That'd be interesting. I don't think Brock's going to say anything. <laughs> Who else is on there? Well, of course, you know, like people who are dearly departed, Mr. Perfect. Yeah, uh, right. That, that was, you know, um, I hope we hear a story about him, uh, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, maybe that's where we get that from, from Curtis Axel. Um, but I mean, Vince himself, you know, the stories that we're going to hopefully hear about his involvement in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, he's like the weird boss who like respects it if you stand up to him and like threaten to kick his ass, which is really strange. Yeah. yeah. Was that also another Ric Flair thing? Was Ric Flair on that plane? Ric Flair was on the plane, naked underneath the robe, doing the helicopter dick to all the stewardesses. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get a lot of Ric Flair on this season. His career may never survive. <laughs> Or it's oh only going to get more popular. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> he is Ric Flair. Yeah, <laughs> the only person that might be able to survive that that kind of story coming out. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, if he, he – again, we just finished – we started this topic with the collision in Korea, yeah. which he was a part of. Yeah. And we're kind of finishing this topic with the plane ride from hell, which – he was also a part of. <laughs> he was not, to the best of my knowledge, a part of either XPW or FMW, which are two of the shows that I am absolutely looking forward to as well. Oh, so, me too. Uh, as as Miranda alluded to, there's so we have people that are connected to the show. So as we get closer to that, we may start talking to some of them about stuff and see what we're gonna do with that. And then I was. Uh, I was a big tape trader for FMW stuff. To this day, I'm, uh, I am the person solely responsible for handing out the exploding cage, uh, the exploding electrified cage match between Hayabusa and Onita to the entire Western Washington. I swear to God, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Love oh, it. Very, yeah, a, a list of, <laughs> of part one of the season is available to out, so you get to see when all of these shows are going to be airing. They haven't released the exact schedule for part two of this season, but again, we know it's going to be happening later this summer, and that's going to be some good content to watch. So yeah. it's a beautiful, oh beautiful time to be a wrestling fan right now, um, and I just cannot – I'd just be fascinated to see – what it's going to to entail um but let's get this show rolling as we always do with the road back to shows with brendan oh man we started off with such great positive energy and now we have to talk about things like mexico city still being orange and fans not being allowed to go to wrestling i mean it's just <sighs> just for now so, you know it's, so, we're someday closer. soon someday soon i swear i swear uh, the, uh, reevaluation will be happening when the show is going on the air. So maybe, just maybe, next week I will have, uh, some good news for you on that. But as of time of recording, Mexico City is still orange. And then we're going to go to Federation Wrestling, which is, oh man, how do I put this? Um, so they are a promotion. That, uh, is, is filling people with hope. There's definitely somebody with a lot of money behind this. They have announced several wrestlers that are going to be appearing. We, I believe we mentioned it last week where, 
uh Roosh Dragonly and uh Bestia Del Ring are all already confirmed. I'm gonna use air quotes around that because they haven't you know, <laughs> they put them on a poster to be part of this. They've added a few more names. Uh Ray Ray Orus, which again not a huge surprise because uh he's a one of the bigger indie luchadors around that uh you could grab, but the bigger surprise was they went they announced Matt Taven. Yeah. Um we will get into a lot of, of, of why that was extra interesting, but they uh you know, he is he got a made a big name for himself down in Arena Mexico. He is a yes, big draw did. for yeah for the uh the Mexican fans, so uh, it's a it's a good get for them if again this is all if this all pans out the way it's supposed to. Uh, <laughs> I'm choosing to be optimistic on this one, but I don't. I mean, not nobody knows who the money person is. Nobody knows who the booker is going to be. So uh, this could all just disappear in in smoke. Um, they are they're planning on making more announcements. They're going to have a press conference on Friday, which again is before is after we're recording this uh i will be listening to that press conference hopefully they they will announce more people they've put up more of those who's that pokemon images there yeah um the uh the big one that people are speculating on though is one of them looks suspiciously like diamante azul who also until recently was very much a cmll guy probably i mean officially he still is he yes. still has championship for them. He still has all of that stuff. But we've got Roosh and, uh, and Dragon Lee on this show. So if they announce him, that may mean that he's planning on parting ways with CMLL or CMLL may make that happen regardless. So uh that may also be why they haven't announced him yet. And we're, they're only making us think he might be there because, you know, that would be exciting. Yeah. Uh, he did, he did some vague book posting about, uh, the, about the future being uncertain, uh, the end of old things and the beginning of new things. But I mean, he could be doing, talking about getting a new puppy for all we know. So, <laughs> um, Workers yeah, love that, to work. <laughs> they do. They do. And, uh, CMLL, unfortunately, being the big company that has direct ties to the government, uh, are the, the ones that have to uphold the actual standards. So a lot of people that want to work CMLL just can't. And to your point with that phrase, Dusty, they're going to do what they got to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and from what I understand, the contracts that Federation are offering are more competitive than CMLL or AAA. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's new the, money. That, that's why they got new money. Yeah. New investment. The way of money. Dinero. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh yeah. It sounds like it's uh it's a it's a big money person. It may even be an American investor for all for all I know. But uh uh, it, one thing's for sure, it's not the WWE. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> Uh, and it's not CMLLs. So, uh, whoever, and, but, but this is to, to tamper or to, to, to manage expectations. This is a kind of thing that happens a lot in the Mexican indie scene. You get a super indie promotion that pops up. 
somebody like a in in the states we would call them a money mark finances it and and uh, they don't have any clear direction because it's basically the wrestlers all saying they want to do something cool they can all agree on a couple of cool things for the first one or two shows and then after that it starts getting a little more rudderless and usually it falls apart um Again, since we don't know who's booking or who's financing, we, I can't say that's what's going to happen, but I also can't say that's not going to happen. So, uh, just, uh, uh, yeah, that's, but that's what Federation Wrestling has been doing. They've been giving us lots of things to be excited and speculate on. Um, other people who have been giving us things to speculate on are Andrade has finally announced a match on Fortunately, yeah. yeah, it's not the match that a lot of people are gonna want. Uh, Andrade, does anybody that, want this match? I, uh, yeah, well, so Andrade, <laughs> Andrade, and yeah. the partner who we will name in a second here became friends while working in the WWE, and they did sort of want to do this for a long, long time. And it's easy if you are a primarily Spanish-speaking person. And and living in in the WWE bubble to have missed all of the news to know that Alberto Del Rio, who is the the opponent, is not really in the best position, in, especially for a show inside the United States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that is that is just to make this fully official so that people can hear the headline. Andrade said that uh it's going to be a late July. They're guess people are guessing right now July thirty first. Andrade uh, Elidolo, as he has now branded himself, versus uh Al- Alberto El Patron. Uh there is speculation that it will be a three way with Carlito, which um <laughs> Cubs fan put it best is like at least that way somebody will be willing to take a pinfall. <laughs> you do you do have to have that especially if that's andrade's first match there's no way he's gonna want to lose and i mean alberto is is uh pretty we talk a lot about wrestlers wanting to invest in themselves he's pretty he's a pretty firm believer in himself um that's the nicest thing that I've heard anybody say about Alberto <laughs> Del Rio in a long time. <laughs> well, I saw this interesting tweet, and I'm and I'm sure I think everyone's in agreement of this because it seemed like it was confirmed that Andrade did have a no complete clause, and the fact that he's not having his first match until July means that he could have wrestled within this period and, and decided not to. Is it, it someone's tweet pretty much like you had a no uh, compete clause or you didn't have a no complete clause. So you could have wrestled yeah. anywhere made such a big presence and impact anywhere. And your first match back is against Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. Um, well, <sighs> and Alberto and Charlotte used to date. Like you think he wouldn't want to wrestle right. his, his woman's ex-boyfriend. Maybe he does. I, I don't know I, the whole uh, thing. Yeah. It just gets all even weirder. Uh, <laughs> I, there is, I personally have hope that this is not going to be his first match back. Just the, the first one he has announced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could it, see that actually. You know, he has, he, there, he has the ability to announce other things, but, uh, you have to bring the, the perspective of the world back into it. Like, 
COVID is making it difficult to book shows and for people to solidly say, yes, we will have a show. July 31st seems pretty safe at the way that, that things are going. So they, That's true. They, they may just be announcing one that they feel safe announcing. Fair enough. Um, but I mean, this, this gets worse. Because uh, there was also a tweet where Roberto Figueroa teased an Andrade, uh, Elidolo, and Cinta de Oro tag team match against Alberto El Patron and Hijota Dos Caras, uh somewhere in Monterey, presumably for chaos. So, uh, I mean, now they're going to hotspot this or make yeah. it a feud, and that just – that does not – that does not please me. No, me either. And Andrade can take Dave Meltzer to task for the things he said about women, but he can't take Alberto De Rio to task for the I, things he's done against women. Uh, right. Uh, and like, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was going to avoid it, but yeah. I'll, I'll say it. Dusty, Dusty, afraid. Dusty, afraid. I don't want him to say it. I'll bring up the other thing. The other. Alberto thing that that came up this week, which was Joey Ryan being upset that uh, <laughs> people from AEW were working at a show with Alberto when they were he was they were blacklisted from working with him. And I mean, on paper, I unfortunately have to agree with him because uh, it's, it seems horribly inconsistent to me. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it is. But also, it, it's like, I think he just wants people to have sympathy for him. And True. that's just. Oh, not he does. Yeah, that's what yeah. he's aiming for. That's, yeah. that's no why I. I'm sorry for him. And, and he was cares. part of AEW kind of in the beginning and yeah, tight with was. those guys. And so there's a reason they would say, no more Joey Ryan. Like, we know he worked here, but you don't work with him anymore. Compared to Alberto, who. I mean, is unfortunately like a lot of American wrestlings just see the luchadors as like Mexican wrestlers and they don't mm-hmm. care what goes on. Think about how little we hear of the drama and the outside things that go on in Mexico and Japan compared yep. to American wrestling. Yeah. And so it's just ignored. That, yeah. yeah. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm still going to point out that Psycho Clown has a job. After destroying, <laughs> after it's true though. His car, right? Yeah. yeah. And Maximo. <laughs> And Ma- well, yeah, Maximo at least got fired. Yeah. He got hired somewhere else, but he at least got fired. Yeah, well, that's what saved Psycho Clown was he was AAA. And, like, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's it it it's all. None of this is easy and clean. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. The way that wrestling is viewed in the United States and how the speaking up movement really did come through in the United States, but we didn't really see it in other places like Mexico or Japan. There it came out a little bit in, in Mexico, but again, too, I think it is a big culture shift where mm-hmm. it is uh, just so deeply rooted in family and tradition that it takes a lot for something yeah. to happen. Like, whereas in the United States, it's, you know, business relationships and, and partnerships can be here one day and next the not. Next, they're, they're not. But as we're even just talking about, you know, Andrade and, you know, uh, Alberto working together for all the reasons you think they wouldn't, 
They are, and it's just so financially motivated, and that's the almighty dollar is what they are, you know, following in this. Is it right, you know, or wrong? You know, you you (sighs) would think, especially, as you mentioned, a show in the United States. If this was a show in Mexico, it'd be, I think, received very differently, and it would probably have flown a lot more under the radar, but this is going to be a show in Texas. Um, Yeah. So – be that what it what it will, it is something that I think it, it's also just a, a big. You just have to kind of notice and and take a look at the culture of wrestling and how it it is in every country because that too is going to be how those these types of things um, are handled and received and responded to. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I agree. I just. Uh... <sighs> I had it's it's just frustrating for me because uh we had how many years of Andrade just doing nothing in America. Mm-hmm. He yeah. gets he well, gets re- yeah. he gets his freedom and his first exactly. step is is just He just had so much yeah. so much high hopes, especially yeah. after he'd been going out and publicly announced how he didn't get the opportunities, how frustrated he was yeah. and asking for his release. And this was his opportunity to do it. And it does feel as far as we know, again, you're absolutely right that he could have an unannounced appearance between, you know, now and then. And this may be the safer role, but you also don't want all of this to be for waste. You know, because I understand taking some time off and, you know, handling your business. But also, if you did all this uproar to kind of tell people like you, you still want to have a full career in wrestling without the WWE and you don't capitalize on your momentum, then it is wasted. We've seen that happen. And even with anybody, you know, one of the mm-hmm. biggest examples is Bret Hart after he left the WWF after the Montreal Cruise <laughs> job. Yeah. You know, that yeah, was yeah. momentum that WCW truly could have built on. And understandably, you know, Bret Hart needed a break. I, I totally, totally understand that because he had gone, he had his heart broken by WWF. Absolutely. He had yeah. his heart broken. Yeah. However, I think WCW should have pushed a little bit more to, to use that momentum you know, and and really pull on on that so that when he came to WCW, it was a much bigger deal than than what it was. But anyways, yeah. Sidebar, uh, <laughs> but we yes. we get very passionate about things. Yes, yes. Um, continue. So, so so I think we've covered the majority of that very well. I mean, we'll point out that the other show that I talked about with the tag match would be a Mexican match in Monterey so the, the crowd reaction is going to be very different and it could be genuinely bringing the the brand up for him at least in Mexico but uh uh we'll see uh and I'm, I'm going to move on now uh my next one I'm going to actually toss this back to you Miranda because there is a big Cinco de Mayo themed show that you are, are going to be a part of so I'll let you announce yeah. it Yes, uh, so Future Stars of Wrestling based out of Las Vegas, Nevada 
will be having Psycho de Mayo uh, on uh, next Saturday, May 8th, and it's going to feature Psycho Clown. Psycho Clown will be wrestling on that show. His opponent has not been named yet, um, but this is huge for Lucha Libre fans out here in the in the West Coast that are not in Texas pretty much because we don't have as, as much uh, Lucha Libre running um, at the moment. But yes, Psycho Clown is going to be in Las Vegas. Um, the show's revolving around him, Psycho de Mayo, Saturday, May 8th. Um, if you are in the Las Vegas area, tickets are available. That does include tickets for meet and greet. Um, so they are running within the guidelines of, of Nevada's um, social distancing guidelines and everything like that. They are, they have the measures in place as far as seating arrangements um, and uh, contact, but Nevada has, just like many states, have adjusted their social distancing guidelines for events. Um, so they are, you know, following all those measures for anyone who is worried about going in person. Um, everyone is required to wear masks and have a distance between seating. Um, but if you are in the area, it's a great opportunity to not only watch Psycho Clown, but possibly meet him. And if you're not in the area... It is going to be available on the FSW Network, which you can find at fswnetwork.com. It is a whole network, um, just like the WWE Network, of lots of content uh, from future stars of wrestling. Um, that includes network exclusives and then hours and hours of previous matches and content um, from over the past five years. Um, the FSW Network is available for $6.99 a month. And again, that includes exclusive shows like this one. Um, you get discounts on uh, iPay-per-views and then um, a huge library of content, including best of matches from uh, now NXT champion Karrion Cross, um, who's that was his home promotion, Chris Bay from Impact Wrestling, Zoe Stark uh, from NXT, now known as um, uh, oh, Zoe. Geez. Zoe, yeah. Zoe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to keep saying Zoe. I don't know why, but I forget her last name. Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark. Um, yeah. Zoe Stark. So she was, uh, her home promotion was FSW before uh, making the scene on NXT. Uh, you also have Best of Hammerstone, your MLW Openweight Champion, um, and just lots, much, much more. Uh, uh, Matt Hardy has his own Best of, and then just, hours and hours of content. So uh, just wanted to, to plug in that for anyone who's interested. Um, it's not just, you know, these events. It's hours and hours of, of content um, from the network. But even then, you know, if you just pay six ninety nine for one month, you will get this show and tons of other stuff. So I, I highly recommend it. It's way cheaper than uh, like uh, most pay-per-views. Uh, you had mentioned off the air, and I'm not going to put you on the spot, that there was a chance that other Lucha talent might be coming up. Is that something that uh, you can talk about? Um, I, the card has not been fully confirmed yet, um, but as those match announcements come, I'll be able to share them hopefully on next week's show. Um, I think they're still finalizing who's going to be able to, to be there. So uh, I hope to have more news for you next week. But it it is they are definitely trying to get more Lucha talent. So yes. those of you that are excited about that kind of thing, 
this might be a big show for you. Yeah, so one of the other shows that are part of the FSW network is the Future Stars of Women's Wrestling. Uh, CMLL's Estreita has been featured regularly and will continue to be featured regularly as well. Um, so that we don't have a, a date for Future Stars of Women's Wrestling for the next show, um, but I think between uh, her appearance um, and Psycho Clowns, they are working on trying to uh, have more uh, Lucha Libre talent uh, on future shows, but especially this one, I know they're trying to work on. I just don't have the confirmed list yet. No worries. I, I uh, just wanted to give you one more chance, and just in case. But uh, so that that was our road back to shows. I have I'm going to have a very brief indie roundup once again. Uh, I'm trying to focus. Miranda asked the question off air, so I'm going to just specify it now because I talk about one. Yeah, no, I think this is actually really cool. After hearing you talk about it, so <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I do. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. My biggest thing, and Miranda even kind of alluded to it, uh, probably because she, we had had this conversation. I, I, as long as a your promotion, a promotion is obeying the 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 city and state rules, uh, that is that is my minimum requirements for for the safety standards. Like if you know, that's why we can talk about a Florida promotion because Florida has been wide open for wrestling events since. Two months into the pandemic, uh, <laughs> I mean, against my it does personal feel that way. <laughs> but uh, but they it's been on it's been a thing that they've been allowed to do. So that is that is the standard that I'm setting here. So that's why I will mention uh, Coastal Championship Wrestling because they're in Florida and they've been permitted to do this. I'm going to bring up once again they had another match two weeks ago with uh, Super Crazy. Who, uh, you know, is always entertaining to watch and, uh, yes. good stuff to have there. Uh, I always go out of my way to watch his matches because I've got some great car stories for riding with him. So it always makes me smile to think about all the wacky car rides that I've had with, <laughs> with Super Crazy. Um, and, and then, uh, Lucha Time has continued to put up some episodes. I ran out of time to get you results this week, but they are continuing to put up episodes on the Mas Lucha channel. I hope to get back to having results, uh, for that soon. But that is, uh, the, the indie roundup and we will get back. Definitely want to keep throwing Lucha Time into the mix because they're still trying to, to do big moves in this year, and Mass Republic has something going on with them, but Kevin won't tell me what yet. <laughs> yeah, it's even a secret from us, so yes. it's very that's, that's mysterioso. Gotta, yes, you, that's why you got to keep on listening, because one day we'll get the information, and we you'll want to be listening when yeah. we do. Thank you, Brendan, for both the road back to shows and the indie roundup. We're going to provide our information at the end of the show. If you are interested in sending us any content for uh, the indie roundup, we'd love to listen uh, and watch uh, independent wrestling shows um, happening that involve Lucha Libre. So, again, make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to get our social media information to reach out to us. But up next, we're going to kick it to Denise Alcedo. That brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always 
use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of luchacentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live it's Wrestle Boss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed and please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love for now this is denise salcedo signing off from lucha central central have a great week lucha-masks.com by pro wrestling revolution bringing you in partnership with mask republic the lucha brothers as well as japanese legend ultimo dragon Go to lucha-masks.com and fight lucha strong with masks from your favorite lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com powered by pro wrestling revolution. As always, a big thank you to Denise Alcedo giving us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central podcast network. Up next, we have this week in WWE with Dusty. Yeah, well, we actually had some good news in WWE this week. Turns out, like, since the pandemic has started, basically, John Laurinaitis has been, Johnny Ace, John Laurinaitis has been the producer for both SmackDown and Raw, like the head producer, and that's why it's just been awful. And, <laughs> but now we have, I mean, if, if you, Johnny Ace, he's awful. And, <laughs> I mean, I feel apologies to Johnny Ace if you're listening. Sorry, pal. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but Jason Jordan, formerly of American Alpha, was promoted to be producer of both shows. And so hopefully, I mean, like as soon as they said that, I was like, oh, that explains the abysmal women's booking. That explains everything. <laughs> like, so hopefully we'll see 
some good changes from that. And we actually had a great match on SmackDown last Friday. We had Ray and Dominic Mysterio against Alpha Academy with Chad Gable and Otis. This was a solid tag team match. I really enjoyed the pairing. Chad Gable's work with Dominic was amazing. Dominic looked amazing. There was a great moment where Dominic did a baseball slide into a powerbomb destroyer thing off the apron. It, it, it was incredible. Um, Otis, we mentioned this last week, is a great base for Rey Mysterio. And mm-hmm. it finally feels like this feud has started to benefit the Mysterios in some way. You know, I mean, it's not as one-sided as it was. They're really looking good. My only complaint in the match is the near falls. Like, we've become conditioned to know Ray is not yeah. going to win unless he hits that 619 and the frog splash. That's just how every Ray Mysterio match ends. And so it would be nice to see him get a win with the Destroyer or something, you know, once in a while. Like, we saw Destroyer in the match. It would be great to see him get a win with the Destroyer just so we don't anticipate that it's not over until we see the 619 into the frog splash. Otherwise, though, this was a fantastic match, especially for WWE. Highly recommend checking this out if you're a Rey Mysterio fan. Then Monday, we had Monday Night Raw. First up, we had Sheamus and Umberto. Last week, Umberto just kind of took a beating from Sheamus. He showed up again this week after Sheamus issued an open challenge, but not for the belt. And Sheamus tried to get the cheap shot on Humberto again, give him the same beating as last week. But Humberto studied the tapes. He knows what to do. He figured out how he's going to counter Sheamus. He turns it around in his favor. There was an amazing suicide dive that sent Sheamus over the announcer's desk, and he walked out of the arena without looking back. Very cool moment for Humberto. Very good spot for him. I'm interested in this feud with Sheamus. Like, it's a interesting juxtaposition of styles and talent, and but it, it was exciting to me. It left me wanting more. So that's, like, the main thing you can hope for. Yeah. And then we had Garza show up again to give Nia Jax some roses, and she uses them to assault Mandy Rose. She just walks by, kind of punches her with the flowers. I'm still not sure what this is building to, but at least we get to see Garza on TV. Reginald was there, so it doesn't feel quite as much like we're shoehorning him into Reginald's spot. It's, yeah, I don't know. I guess it is what it is, but it's interesting, and hopefully we'll you know, get something good out of it with Garza. He is consistently the most underutilized luchador in WWE now that Andrade is gone. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even Humberto see it. I mean, Lince Dorado occasionally, Grand Metalik, they all see ring time, and we're just not seeing that ring time from Garza. Mm -hmm. Aside from the Battle Royale at the WrestleMania SmackDown, all we've seen him in are these little – backstage vignettes with Nia Jax lately and it's really disappointing that we're not getting to see him in the ring more often it's a shame really yeah. it's, I mean he's uh, unlike Metalik who I have all the the faith in his in-ring abilities Garza is the total package and it's just yeah. a shame that they're not using him for any of that like you know, I mean, I get it. If you are a little worried about his his uh, in ring abilities, maybe you just have him talk for a little while. But if you're 
Uh, you know, I mean, there's no way that he, he he's oozing charisma. He absolutely that turn a phrase. So there's just uh yeah, there's uh, it's a shame well, that he's it, not being used. I mean, it even was a missed opportunity during the build up to WrestleMania where he wasn't partnered with um the Miz and Morrison. Um, right. Yeah. That, granted, like that was inevitable. Yeah. That, that was gonna. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know why they keep kind of flip flopping him on all these things. Maybe they're just trying to to throw something to the wall to see what sticks. But I absolutely agree that you kind of don't have to do that with him. But you need to have a clear direction. And I think that's also the frustration with WWE is that sometimes they don't give things enough time and they switch and sometimes they give things too much time and they don't, you know, so it's so like vert, like it just so inconsistent. Um, and you, it does leave you scratching your head. Like why, why this, why is he not in an actual program when we're actually seeing, I mean, the buzz around Humberto Carrillo after his match this week I mean, the biggest buzz I've seen yeah, so about much. him. Yeah, it's the most anybody's time. talked about him yes. since the Aleister Black and everything when they teamed up with Rey Mysterio yeah. on, last year. I mean, like, this is the biggest buzz he's had. And, and people loved it. And it was just because he had a reason. I mean, there was a yeah. motivation. Yeah. And people enjoy seeing that motivation. And it's, yeah. So it's it's for what you're seeing right now seems to be working with Humberto that they could have done with Garza as well. And for some reason, I mean, I think understanding because of the fact that he's a total package and the fact that he can actually do promos and vignettes and he's a good speaker, they're, of course, utilizing him for that. But because, you know, that that is where they see the money in him right now and not in a ring, it's just it's it's surprising. Yeah, it's very surprising. To swing back, uh, first off, though, I want to say there is, we do seem to have this, this uh, air of hope now that we've got a, I don't want to go as far as saying Laurinaitis was awful. I think he's out of touch, and I uh-huh. think that maybe Jason Jordan mm-hmm. being a bit younger and a bit, and yeah. having wrestled recently, it might be able to pull more of that out of, out of people, and so maybe we'll get something better in that direction. But I also wanted to swing back around with the Rey Mysterio thing where you're talking about the the pattern for his finishes. When he was the most popular, he was finishing people with schoolboy roll-ups and hurricane runners. Like that was yep. – like it was that, that quickness, that, that element of he, I can hit you from out of nowhere, and that's the Rey that I miss. So uh, I, I mean – Hopefully they pass that on to Dominic and he starts winning oh, that, that way. That would be but, cool. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's also different because there's a big size difference. I think with the roll-ups mm-hmm. and the Hercaranas was a way kind of the surprise of, of his size being yes. so small. Where Dominic yeah. is much taller. Yes, um, yeah. I think that would be – I mean, it's though true. I still feel like it's a good moveset, I think it just wouldn't have that same impact with, with Dominic. No, I just, but I, I want to see a, a fresher look for the Mysterio yeah. family. True. And, Very true. Yeah, no, going back to what worked is, is, was my first thought. I just yes. thought of it when Dusty was mentioning how we've been programmed to know what a Rey Mysterio match looks like. Yeah, it's true <laughs> though. Like, that's, and that's why I miss it. Like, he used to be kind of the element of surprise. Yeah. His thing, you know, and now he's become formulaic and part of its age, I'm sure. But I do miss that, you know, that element of surprise, the excitement that anything could happen. And yeah. 
you know, maybe part of that was WCW versus WWE. I know they like to well, they hit all their spots, but he he did it in the WWE too. So that's I, I true. Mean, when, yeah, when he was winning championships and when he was the giant killer and all those kind of things, he was out of nowhere wins. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a by the number sort of thing. It was yeah. It was until much later that they decided must hit the six one nine every match and then the frog splash every at least every other match yeah it's like an essential part of his thing but it would really do a lot for him to to have that element of surprise back that anything could happen and well like it's almost unrelated to ray mysterio because you see it everywhere now but it would be cool to see the destroyer as a finisher once in a while yeah you know like it very cool move so yeah i don't know Yeah, WWE, what can you do? <laughs> we just cross our fingers and hope every week. Yeah, well, one of these weeks it'll be perfect, and and I will kiss their ass mightily. So. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think uh, if we're alive at that point, that's I, don't know, I don't know if we'll all be on this earth anymore. But anyways, going through full optimism, uh, Desi, why don't you take us through this week's AEW, too? Yeah, first up on Monday, we had AEW Dark Elevation, and our highlight match for Dark Elevation is Ray Phoenix versus Chucky Taylor. Unlike a lot of the Phoenix we've seen, this isn't the match of the year Phoenix that, you know, has been... You know, tearing it up on TV, but it makes sense that he's going to take it easy on a YouTube show. And so, you know, you kind of go into it knowing that, but this was awesome. Chuck Taylor is a great wrestler, but Ray Phoenix, we mentioned this, he's just so quick and spectacular and inventive. And it's just too much for Chuck in this match. After an appearance by Alex Abrahantes and Orange Cassidy that featured Pinta kicking Orange Cassidy's head all the way to Wednesday Night Dynamite, and <laughs> Phoenix had a moment that went a bit viral on social media. He gets the pin and he rolls it into a pose that can only be described as like adorable and i mean it, it was like, really cool i was gonna say it reminded me of friendship and mortal combat like, yeah <laughs> that, i hadn't thought of it till you said that but it's true okay. that <laughs> reminded me of uh of la sombra doing the doing the, the hands on his chin thing in the middle of that that gift that is super yeah. popular Yes. I mean, it was just such a a cool moment for Phoenix. And I've mentioned before about Pentagon's charisma, but Phoenix was dripping with charisma in this match. And so that was really cool and a nice juxtaposition to the, you know, the just the amazing athlete that we see on a more regular basis. So I hope that AEW lets him get more of this personality out. I really enjoyed this match, really enjoyed the personality that Phoenix got out in it. Fantastic. And next up, we had Tuesday Dark. And in his first AEW appearance, which apparently there's going to be more, we had Marty Casals, formerly Marty the Moth Martinez, versus the Machine Brian Cage. And a nice little Lucha Underground reunion. Uh, Marty looked great. He looks a lot better than he did in Lucha Underground. It's incredible. His facial expressions are amazing. His size was really impressive, even next to Cage. This was a real Haas match, like a Haas-type wrestling match, and I loved it. It gave Marty a great foundation to display his offense 
and his personality. They both got in a ton of work, but it still wasn't enough to beat Cage. Once he hits the drill claw, Cage picks up the big win before his match with Hangman Adam Page on Dynamite. And that leads us to his match with Hangman Adam Page. Sorry, Brendan, were you going to say something? Nope, nope. Oh, okay. And that leads us to his match on Dynamite with Hangman Adam Page. And they, first of all, they kept referring to Cage as the Machine Brian Cage, the Machine Brian Cage. I love that. If you watch Lucha Underground, you remember that. Mm -hmm. Very cool that they have been using that lately. And Taz kept teasing on Dark that after Ricky Starks had his match with Hangman Page, they discovered his weak spot and that Brian Cage was going to win the match. And for once, at least, Taz wasn't working us. Before the match, during Hangman's interest, Team Taz ran up. They attacked from behind. The Dark Order showed up to try to help even up the numbers. But Cage still gave Hangman a huge power bomb onto the apron before the match ever started. Then he throws him into the ring and starts yelling, ring the bell. And then he dominates the entire match. Much like the night before on Dark, this is the cage we remember from Lucha Underground. Like, it is so good. Yes. It was a very surprising win, and I it's multifaceted. I think it probably helps keep Hangman out of the title picture for double or nothing and kind of delay that underdog spot, because what, what are you going to do if he's number one contender? It's pay-per-view. Kenny Omega is a huge thing. But it's also a huge win for Brian Cage. Like, this was something he really needed was a big win like this. So it was a really interesting match, both for the win-loss rankings and for double or nothing. That's only four weeks away. And so I think this could be the feud we see Hangman Page and maybe even Dark Order in. I think it's building to that at double or nothing, hopefully. And I, it's Go ahead. I, Oh, I think that's what we're getting is uh, Dark Order versus Team Taz. Because mm-hmm. Dark Order is very face right now, yeah, and Team Taz super, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, super heel. And yeah. and it's it'd be great. Like, there's just such a interesting clash of the styles and sizes and everything. I, I'm all here for it. AEW does multi-man matches so well that I I would be excited for that. And well, then, they got to because everybody's in a faction. Yeah. But- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is super true. <laughs> but after the Cage Hangman Page match, we had Orange Cassidy versus Penta El Cerro Miedo. Uh, this is exactly the kind of wrestling that I love. It was easily the match of the night for me. Hands down, no contest match of the night. Like, so good. There was so much showmanship, especially early in the match. Orange Cassidy keeps putting his hands up to try to put his hands in his pockets, and Pentagon just refuses to let him, slaps his hands away, gives him more and more Cerro Miedo. Finally, he takes off the glove and smears, like, all over fingerprints and whatnot on Orange Cassidy's sunglasses doing the Cerro Miedo. It, it was just fantastic. Great spot in the beginning that kind of showed their styles. And the blending of those styles was what was really interesting to me as well. There were a lot of moments I loved, like Cassidy going for the Tornado DDT, working a more Lucha-type move and style. But Pinta was able to reverse it into a brain buster. I mean, it was incredible. 
if you wanted to see Alex Abrahantes, he was there and he tried to help Penta get the win. He came in with the distraction, had the microphone, tossed it in, but Trent was able to grab the microphone and hit Penta with it. And after his help, Orange Cassidy picked up the win, making best friends one for three against Death Triangle. And so, I mean, two out of three is not bad for Death Triangle. I'm really excited to see where this goes. We've mentioned this before. It was building to a street fight last year. I kind of hope that's where it's building to this year. We're seeing more and more of Chris Statlander at ringside with uh, best friends and she's part of the group now i don't know if we'll see somebody come in to kind of neutralize her presence with death triangle but anything's possible at this point and i'm excited for whatever we get i think that the possibilities with this are wide open and the individual matches we've gotten so far exciting so so this again for me is the same thing as that street fight that uh, Best Friends had, the the first one, mm-hmm. where it was magical and I loved everything about it right up until the end. And that finish just took me out of it. Um, they're supposed to be the, I mean, the good guys who will fight a little dirty, but they they did the, the whole thing where Trent stole the microphone, hands it to Orange Cassidy for the super punch while the ref is not looking. So they're yeah. just openly using heel tactics, which just really does not cement the the feud for me. And it just really kind of distracted me from what was otherwise a great match. Yeah, it did feel odd. I mean, it was a strange yeah. ending to the match. But we've... I don't know. It's more like a WWE thing at this point. We've been conditioned to cheer the heels and boo the faces in a weird way. And so when when people display those heelish tactics, people get excited. Like that really, you know, I mean, it got a reaction from the crowd. And so as much as I didn't like it, I I can see kind of what they were going for with it. And yeah, hopefully. Yeah, like you say, everything except the ending. It was a great match. The work in it was fantastic, yeah, but the yes, ending yes. was. I I, I just know. feel like that seems to be a weakness with uh with the best friends group. Like they have really solid matches with sloppy or confusing endings, and uh, I I hope that's not what we continue to see if this is the feud we're getting. Yeah, and I. Interested to see what happens with it when Pack comes back, too. The one-on-one matches are getting a little... I mean, I feel like we've kind of expended our options here one-on-one, and so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And the the obvious option to add to Death Triangle for a lady uh, is no longer in the company, so I'm not sure, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> And I think is that for some, you know, they have feuds that some some of them go on for weeks, some of them just one week. So, mm-hmm. like, I think, too, we may be planning for something that may not be as long term as we think it may be. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just it just, you know, they they only built up Penta and uh, Cody for two weeks when that could have easily been something they oh went much gosh. longer. Oh, and and they, it felt like it was going to, you know, I mean, there were really yeah. some harsh words in there and it yeah. just yeah, kind of no. fizzled out. 
that yeah. goes back to the the weird this weird roller coaster booking that they do with the middle card. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're the heavyweight champion or the tag team champions, you get relatively consistent booking. But everybody else is like, you get a little mini push and then well, you yeah, because those are also all the EVPs. <laughs> so like, it's a lot easier. I wasn't gonna say that out loud. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it. Just ain't afraid to say it. I won't yep. say it. I'm not afraid to call out again, all of the AEWs. Yep. Please, come but, for me. Come at me. Tell me I'm wrong because I'm not. It's well, true. I mean, I mean uh, you know, uh, up until recently, Adam Page was still doing pretty good on his booking, too, which was what made makes me very dubious about Like, a lot of people were really excited about this this. Brian Cage win that you know I saw lots on social media talking about wins and losses really do matter in AEW and to Dusty's point it's it was a solid move to drop him out of the rankings so that he's not contending for the title while Kenny Omega is Nova hot right now but uh I'm worried that it's just uh, a little mini push for Cage because that's what they seem to do. Is that here's your little mini push, and then uh, we'll we'll feed you to uh, Darby again or something, and then and then you'll go back to being on only elevation for weeks. I mean, it's it's true. It's almost just like the beginning of how his time with AEW started. <laughs> he won that Casino Battle Royal. Yep. He got hot shotted for his first title opportunity. We knew that wasn't going to go anywhere, and instead of kind of using that to build him up, it, that happened exactly that. He's been, you know, kind of just this pendulum back and forth of really mm-hmm. hot feuds, mainly still just kind of stuck. Um, you know, with with um, Team Taz, um, so it feels good to like it seemed like it was very clear and definitive the road that he's going on at this moment, um, and they absolutely should with him. He is one of the biggest, most athletic guys you have on your roster. Someone who could easily contend for your world championship. And as much as they're still playing on this bullet club, you know, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, you need people in between. If this is the feud you're yep. doing the long game for, you need people in between who can yep. be, you know, slotted in as a contender, but also are very believable in the contender roles. Yeah, exactly. They they need to have people who are allowed to stay at that higher level yes. longer. Like, you, you know, yeah, having having Cage and, and Adam Page, I have to be very careful on that because I will confuse the names. Uh, doing a, a like, like a couple weeks of this would be good because that will elevate both of them to look like they are capable of being in that top tier. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they do with it, and and I'm I'm down with that. Uh, speaking of that, I, I don't know if you were gonna cover it or not. But I also was interested that they are once again pushing Diamante into a singles feud where it looks like she's probably not going to come out looking that great on it. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. You never know what they're going to do with somebody. And their women's booking has been the most inconsistent. Yes. Like – out of out of everything they've done that's been my my biggest complaint and their most inconsistent work is who they you know who, what they yeah. do and like we're 
store started building things, but you know her her match with Rachel Rose. I mean, like Diamante looked great on Dark this week, but it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's just we'll see what comes of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I did want to mention, for people that are keeping score, that they are doing this. So there may be something worth watching. But it, it, it's at the same time, it's, it really feels more like they're going to be feeding her to uh, to somebody else to try and elevate that. I can't even remember yeah. who it was. I was going to say maybe Jade, Jade Cardwell. Yeah. I can't remember either. I don't have it in my notes, but yeah, yeah I mean, Jade would be an amazing feud. Like, yeah. I, I would be excited for that, but I don't think that they would give Diamante the final win on that either. So. Yeah, exactly. Like they're saying, I feel like they could be building her to feed her to somebody. Mm-hmm. And if anything, yeah. Jade is the one that they seem like they're really trying to to build up. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe Britt Baker along the way. Britt seems That's like true. She's, like, yeah, she's really on her way up. Yeah. Yeah. With Thunder she Rosa needs- right behind her. And so it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I get the fight forever feel from those yeah. two. So who knows? Yeah. Well, don't forget you could visit LuchaCentral.com for all of the results for WWE shows like Raw and SmackDown and AEW shows like Dark and Dynamite. Up next, we have MLW. Uh, in the news section of MLW, earlier this week it was announced that their show is going to be airing on Vice TV at noon Eastern time on Saturdays. So I know for me that was kind of an unexpected time frame. Uh, the good news is it's still going to be available on Wednesdays uh, on YouTube. It's also still going to be uh, broadcast through BN Sports. So pretty much it's just a replay on Vice TV. It for me would have made more sense that if it aired on on Thursdays, you know, right before, uh-huh. or right after Dark Side of the Ring, because um, that's I mean that's really how they got. I mean, Vice TV, you know, to to uh, quote a man, is getting into the <laughs> wrestling business. Um, yeah. <laughs> so kind of double up your content, but. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it, it may be an interesting spot to see. I'll be very interested in to, to see kind of what the ratings look like and how much viewership they get. But to me, it's also still great that you can watch it on Wednesdays on YouTube. Um, and, you know, you can get it before AEW, all of that. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so the Saturday spot to me is exciting because that's an old school wrestling yeah. spot. Yeah, that's it what is, I like. Yeah. Saturday morning yeah. wrestling is kind of exciting. Yeah. But it's, also, it's, it's a replay at that point. Like, that's and true. so, I mean, how, how much, like, I think that the, the thing is, is that Saturday wrestling was a thing because it really was like that excitement and thrill. Like, what are you going to get next? Um, and even like Saturday night's main event when they had it, you know, mm-hmm. it was because it was newer content. So I feel like yeah. that. You know, and and maybe they're just because of the fact that they're streamed on many different platforms that it's you know harder to um, have it live. But I definitely agree that the Saturday, uh, you know, at early afternoon is a very much a good tribute spot for many old school wrestling fans who watched it. But now when you watch, you get to watch the show three and a half days earlier. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just. That's it's true. Uh, and there's nothing saying that they won't eventually put that put a rebroadcast after it won't be the, the new one again. To your point, but uh, 
before or after the one of the other wrestling shows. <laughs> they might eventually do that too, but I'm very excited. I'm excited for this. Uh, I want to give a little bit of a shout out to the Mass Mass and Mayhem guys because they were talking about, about this and they have a very uh, active theory that has me more excited, which is they might wind up going back to uh like a PG-13 style programming with the yes, with MLW. And, and yeah. that's a good point that's been brought up about, you know, being able to the fact that they're not tied well, one that what they're airing on right now is really just their own, you know, channel and, and some other streaming sources, but also Vice TV is a little bit more mature in their audience. So, mm-hmm. I could absolutely see go them going a little bit more mature in their content. Um, and I think that would be a great alternative for many fans where you know right. you don't have a, a promotion right now that's doing a lot more of that adult content. You could say AEW with some of the violence that they do in their matches. Um, that's few and far between, but maybe They're more definitely, consistent. Yeah. yeah. They're definitely trying to appeal to people with that. But like if MLW is to your point, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off on that, no, no. but. Uh, if MLW is doing it consistently through their show, that means it will be alternative programming instead yes. of an alternative match. And that's, yeah. 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 Well, in this week in MLW, as far as Lucha Libre content, we had Puku Dao face Ijo de LA Park, one half of the MLW World Tag Team Champions. Buku Dao coming out of, of a big win from his mentor, TJP. Um, and for... Ilda L.A. Park, more importantly, Selena de la Renta, they needed a win in the column uh, because El Jefe was not happy uh, with the, the performance um, of Mil Muertes and has subsequently, this was, you know, Selena de la Renta's final chance to make it up to El Jefe. And so the match, though, started Ilda L.A. Park. Not only does he wear the traditional garb of his family, but he wrestles in the same cockiness and tone uh, of his <laughs> father. So that's great to see. Um, yes. And at first, when he started the match, you know, tried to gain the trust of Buku Dao, but then just utilized that to give him a big old knock to the face. Um, and But there was some really great moments, too, from Buku Dao. Uh, he locked in a, a little mean uh, cross face. Uh, during the middle of the match and then Ilda L.A. Park was able to uh, smash in the double knees as Buku Dao was laying in one of the corners. Um, ultimately, Buku Dao got the win um, with the swinging flatliner in just a little under five minutes. So a very quick match. Um, but I think that's kind of the appeal of Buku Dao, a major underdog right now. And the fact that he got a surprise win over someone with the legacy and experience of Ihold at L.A. Park Um was pretty astonishing. It did not lend well for Selena De La Renta. We saw later on in the show, she was pretty much kidnapped by a masked assailant. She had a, a bag over her head and a masked assailant in a red mask, um, you know, just pretty much grabbed her and took her into an unmarked car. And so um, who knows, you know, what's happening right now with Azteca Underground. Another interesting note is that during the show, um, MLW showed an article from PWI um, magazine that was a layout of Azteca Underground and El Jefe. And they even unveiled a list of suspects that they believe could be El Jefe, um, which names included uh, Dario Cuento 
from Lucha Underground yeah. Conan. Um, and even Tony Khan's name was listed on there. So <laughs> interesting with that crossover, you know, or just the, the buildup that they're utilizing PWI magazine uh, to help, you know, sell the story. But I thought uh, that was a great touch. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. I mean, it really is leaving a big question mark to who El Jefe is. Things are not looking good for Selena De Laurento right now. And maybe we'll get a step closer now that she stepped out of the picture. El Jefe will step in himself. Um, maybe we see this in the show coming in July. Maybe we get this before um, MLW goes on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I believe they, they may go in, in June. Um, so lots of questions. I- I do have an extra little wrinkle that I, I saw today on Twitter. Selena has changed her name on Twitter and was responding to a tweet from someone else who said, okay, now that we've got you out of there, it's time for you to disappear. And she said that it was, uh, you know, it was a genius move to make it look like she was being kidnapped and uh, nobody's going to find her now. So, there could be lots of things. She could just be bluffing. Who knows? But I just thought that was added a neat little touch. I am a big fan of wrestling promotions using social media to deepen the story because yeah. that allows me to stay invested while I'm doing my, my stuff on my phone, whatever it is I'm doing. I just love this. So I just thought I would mention that I don't have her name in front of me because uh, it happened while I was at work and I have trouble taking notes at work these days. But yeah, let me see if it's changed <laughs> any on uh, social or at least on Instagram. Um, it was because... like Natalia class or something, right? Yes, something class. Yeah, Natalia or Natalia or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Interesting. There was also another video of her uh, going into a uh, helicopter saying, I'm done with this, you know, uh, and, and just jumping into a helicopter and trying to escape. So you're right. There are layers to this that they're adding on social media um, outside of what we're seeing on the show. So um, I think that's why the intrigue is still there. And this is one of the better kind of drawn out storylines of who is it? Who is this? higher power um, that keeps people engaged and interested because there's layers to it. So uh, stay tuned, you know, to see what happens next week on MLW. Up next, we have an update on Mass Republic. Brendan? Um, well, gee, we, we mentioned it just last week, but uh, the, uh, the, the uh, lucha-mass.com release the mass for Andrade El Idolo this week. Um, Dusty said he got his. I, I got mine minutes later. Yeah, okay. yeah, I got my pre-order. <laughs> I'm really excited. It looks a, so good. It's a really gorgeous-looking mask. Uh, in addition to Andrade El Idolo, they've got a, a bunch of new micro-brawlers. They've got these uh, really cool-looking soccer jerseys with giant, images of masks or faces on them yeah they are Uh, awesome they're very cool looking uh so definitely worth checking out there and once again i'm going to also mention eat like a luchador pre-orders because uh yes got that pre-order too (laughs) i've seen a lot of photos from eat like a luchador lately and uh, i'm really hungry (laughs) that's it's gonna be awesome yeah it's a it's a great uh 
for those of you who haven't heard any of the stories, like I've talked, we've talked to Jerry who did photo photography. Mm-hmm. We've talked to Kevin who just tried to make all of this happen. And we've talked to people who wrote recipes. Like there's so much work and love went into making this book happen. Uh, so I just really want to mention, I, I've been seeing a, a big push for it again on social media this week. Like I said, I, it legit made me hungry. I, I had to go get some nachos after seeing a bunch of pictures. Uh, and uh, yeah, so eat like a luchador. Pre, please pre-order it. Uh, and of course, you can get that also uh, links to Mass Republic on LuchaCentral.com. Speaking of what else you can find on LuchaCentral.com, it's the results of this week's NXT. Yeah. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, again, another great episode of NXT. Um, some really fun moments. Um, starting off the night with Mercedes Martinez versus Dakota Kai. This comes from last week when Mercedes Martinez realized and knew the way to get to Raquel Gonzalez is through Dakota Kai. So they had a match and, you know, it was surprising at the beginning where, uh, you thought that Mercedes was going to get the, the upper hand, but Dakota Kai came in quick with a DDT and, um, I believe a, a, a low, a running boot, uh, to the face, uh, to the, to the body of, um, Mercedes Martinez. Um, but the real action happened when they couldn't keep the action in the ring. Uh, Mercedes Martinez got Dakota Kai out of the ring later on. And that's when we had Mercedes and Raquel meet face to face. And they had some tension, obvious tension between them. Um, and then as, you know, Martinez tried to get back into the ring of Raquel Gonzalez, um, the, the brawl broke out and uh, Mercedes won by disqualification. However, we did see Raquel just throw uh, Mercedes into the barricade. Um, we saw her just pulling at, at her face and her hair yelling at her that she's the champion, this is her division, doing that in Spanish as well, which is like, I mean, these are just two women. You have a Mexican and Puerto Rican coming together, kicking each other's asses, like, just shut up and take my money. Like, this is like Latina all over the place. Like, two women you do not want to mess with, period. And it was so interesting to see Mercedes Martinez on the other side of a beating like that. I mean, they've built up... Uh, Raquel Gonzalez as this beast, but someone with the, the experience and with the background on Mercedes Martinez, who is not one that has ever really been that beaten up before, uh, to see that happen was very, very interesting. Um, so it looks like this is the feud that they're going to be going with right now, and I am all for it. I think this is such a great first matchup for Raquel to have, and I think it's a great one to reestablish Mercedes Martinez in NXT. Um, I am for it. Yeah. I am for this. I'm excited, yeah. Yes, very excited. Um, we also were supposed to have a NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match um, that went awry. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon was supposed to face Jessica Maya and Aaliyah. However, before the match, uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell came out, um, and they were just beating them up with flowers and candy that they got. Um, <laughs> part, part of a story with, you know, that happened earlier in the night. Um, so that match didn't happen, but we are getting 
Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Candice Lorraine and Indy Hartwell next week for the NXT uh, Women's Tag Team Championship. I would like to see something happen from this, maybe a title change already, because they've been going back and forth, back and forth for for months now. So I'd like this, unless you start really adding in Jessica May and Aaliyah as maybe a triple threat at some point, let's do something or move on. That's just my personal uh, opinion. And, I mean, even before that, though, uh, during a backstage statement, we had Frankie Monet um, inter- interrupt the tag champions, the women's tag team champions, as they were being interrupted, and still just pretty in pink. Uh, later on in social media, uh, Frankie Monet put a great legally blonde quote on that, uh, her her social media <laughs> that just made me think exactly Elle Woods. Um, so she's continuing to do some great promos, interjecting herself in every which way within the women's division I think it's a great spot to be in right now because as we just talked about the the championship picture right now is pretty heated and contested and Frankie don't want to break a nail like Frankie don't want to break a sweat like Frankie can do some other things in the meantime while they fight and and have that brutality over the belt yeah I'm excited for I'm just always excited for NXT women division stuff. It's like, true. I mean, yeah. yeah. We, everything they do, like, people need to take note. I don't know how the other brands and companies aren't more closely studying the NXT women's division because it's so easy to just, you know, model yourself after them. They're getting it right. Yeah. NXT women's division, best women's division out there, period. I said every one, all the time. One of the best divisions on TV. Yes. Like, I mean. <laughs> yes yeah. absolutely with uh, the main event we had uh, Legado de Fantasma face the newly formed trio of MSK and Kushida uh, fondly called MS Kushida um, <laughs> which you know visually it looks a lot better it's harder to say but at the same time visually it's pretty pretty cool um, yeah give me that shirt um so the first half of the match, Kushida and MSK worked really well together with some quick tags uh, between Nash Carter and Wesley. Um, and really pretty much up until the commercial break, um, there was some moments where Legado the Fantasma was able to kind of defend themselves. But pretty much through the first portion of the match, half of the match, it was MSK and Kushida. Um, but afterwards, we did see Santos Escobar working on Nash Carter's arm. Um, and then there came a point where Kushida opened up the ropes for MSK to do some stereo, stereo suicide dives. But that's when things changed, because shortly afterward, um, Santos Escobar yanked Kushida out of the ring and slammed him through the announcer's table, pretty much kidding him out for most of the match. And then from there... Legado the Fantasma was able to play the numbers game, um, and they were able to really isolate, um, I believe it was, uh, Lee, uh, Wesley, um, in, and, and really there was nothing that he could do. He fought really valiantly, um, while, you know, his other teammates were, um, pretty much out of the ring, couldn't do anything. Um, we did have a moment where Kushida tried to make a comeback, but wasn't able to. Um, he was, ended up eating a phantom driver while, uh, Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza were able to do that, uh, double team maneuver and, um, 
get the pin. So that last image of all three of them holding the belts was something that was just... Yes. Very I mean, cool. Yeah. Very, very cool moment. Saw it all over social media and such a great tease. Such a great tease that gosh, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was that, uh, pack of wolves stuff that we were talking about before with them. And I'd love to see them return to that form where. Yes. They're, they're, the chaos is part of their weapon set. Yes. It really is. I mean, we saw it again. Just that power bomb through the announce table, the way that they were able to separate uh Wesley and and uh Carter or Nash Carter, like the way that they once you separate them like and you play the numbers game, that's it. That has been the way that Legato has been the most successful as a trio. And even in the times that Santos defended the Cruiserweight Championship. So mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you as far as that strategy and, and getting back to that and hopefully it be leading to some gold because that was also both of the, the entrances with all of the masks, um, including uh, Robo Mendoza and Wild, both with the kind of Titan, uh, Titan masks. Um, very, very, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. So great, great episode of NXT this week. Um, and of course the results you can find on luchacentral.com. Um, Dusty, go ahead. I know we're doing something a little bit different with this week in Lucha Libre history. Yeah, it's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at luchacentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre history by Pep Carrera for information, birth dates, anniversaries, match of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre, and it's all free at luchacentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And this week we're doing something a little different. This week we're focusing on Triple Mania. And the first Triple Mania... Mania show took place on April the 30th, 1993 in Mexico City at Mexico's Plaza de Toros Bullfighting Arena. The main event featured a retirement match between Conan and Cien Caras, and despite being billed as the first time such a stipulation had ever been used in Lucha Libre, retirement matches had happened in Mexico before that, but they were <laughs> very rare. Like, they mm-hmm. happened, but they were rare. And in a Huge upset, Cien Caras defeated Conan by taking the first two falls. It was really a shock win for Cien Caras. And the first fall, Cien Caras pinned Conan. And the second fall, Conan was counted out after interference from Jake Roberts. And this led to Jake the Snake Roberts, the same Jake Snake Roberts we all know and love, to be one of the most hated heels in Mexico. Like, it was a huge deal. He was ultra rudo. Conan would come back a few months later after his movie career wasn't, you know, what he expected it to be, and he feuded with Jake after he and Antonio Pena were able to petition the commission to let Conan wrestle again due to the interference at Triple Mania from Jake Roberts. It was an incredible main event and an incredible start for Triple Mania and helped get the whole thing off the ground, get the company off the ground, make it financially successful. This was where it started. And I highly recommend everybody check it out. It's the first one. It's the original. You got to see the first Triple Mania. Yeah. So very good match. Very great show. Highly recommend it. What did you pick this week, Brendan? Well, uh, Miranda and I had kind of not, not gotten on the same page with this, but uh, 
Uh, <laughs> we, we, uh, uh, Triple Mania has always been a huge yeah. part of, of, uh, my, uh, my general love of Lucha Libre. Uh, it is so very WrestleMania with its yes. over the top presentation yes. and all of that. I think, um, if I were, if I were to just pick out a single moment or event, it was the, for me, it would have been the, the Dr. Wagner Psycho Clown mask versus, uh, mask match. Uh, and I, part of that is because I was so enthralled with this idea of this match that it was, I, I had it on my phone and my calendar and all of that that I was going to watch that match. And I wound up on that particular Sunday helping a friend organize, uh, a convention. And, and so, <laughs> I'm doing work for the convention and I'm sitting at the table with this event on the phone and this guy comes over to offer me water. It's like, do you need some water? And I'm like, yeah, sure. That would be great. And he, he looks down at what I'm watching and he's like, are you watching Lucha Libre right now? And I'm like, yeah, this is like the match of the year going on. And he's like, I think that is the coolest thing I've seen all weekend. And then he goes and moves on to the other thing. So that's just, that is, in a nutshell, what what uh, Triple Mania does for me. Um, oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I, I'd have to agree. I think just being able to focus on really the WrestleMania slash Super Bowl of Lucha Libre um, is, you know, such a cool way of thinking about how much uh, Lucha Libre has uh, not only evolved but been kind of the fabric of, of pro wrestling of course wrestlemania helped kind of establish the big shows but i think with triple mania make it more um special within uh lucha libre and mexican culture and uh yeah like you mentioned incorporating someone like jake roberts into the mix um was that way of doing that crossover almost kind of like the celebrity portion of a WrestleMania, I feel like Triple Mania has been able to do that with bringing in U.S. stars. Um, and I think that that's been a very special way of doing the crossover of styles. So that was kind of my, for me, big takeaway, because I know that also led to a longer history and story between Jake and Conan. Um, uh-huh. But that was one of the more memorable things of having someone like Jake Roberts be a part of that and, you know, lend his support and appearance for that, um, that help really bring in like a crossover audience. Yeah, it really did. I mean, that was kind of when it became a big deal in America, too, was around the time of Triple Mania. And it's important, just like WrestleMania, its importance in both the financial status of the company and the perceived social status just how many eyes were on it 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 can't be understated like this was a huge deal at the time and nothing was ever the same that became that's what allowed them to become a competitor really in lucha libre and so it's just incredible how i mean we're still feeling the ripples to this day of the -hmm. first triple mania and so it's it's incredible yeah and i think it's a an exciting and important event to look back on well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. Again, something different where we focus on just one event this week. But again, you can find this day in Lucha Libre on LuchaCentral.com. Um, and of course, match of the days on LuchaCentral.com. But I'm not going to tell you all of that. 
Brendan, why don't you tell our <laughs> listeners about what they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Uh, well, you know, if you're if you're here and you're listening to the sound of my voice telling you about what's on LuchaCentral.com and you haven't been there, good gosh, you really need to do it right now. Uh, LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of your top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And uh, here it is. Here it comes. It's free. Right. Please. We we love to say take my money on this show, but there's no taking of your money. Nope, no need to take your money. <laughs> it's free. Uh, LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Well, Brennan, while I have you here, while Uh-oh. you're here for a moment, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to have you jump into CMLL news because there was a huge news that came out just a few days ago. Um, and then, of course, you have some results uh, as far as the, the anniversary show. Um, so we're going to get deep into CMLL right now. So go ahead and take it away. So we're going to save the big news. I'm going to go with the results first because the hard Course, CMLL fans are going to want to hear these anniversary show revol- results first. So, f- first match we had uh, Chamuel and Galito versus Microman and Perico Zacarias. Uh, this was a one fall match. You had uh, Chamuel and Galito come out on top. And then, second match, you had the ladies. You had Dallas and La Yarochita against Amapola and Marcella. Uh, this was a Relevance Incredibles match. That's why you're hearing kind of an odd pairing of people. But uh, it should come as no surprise to any CMLL fan that Dallas and La Charachita won that because uh, Dallas lost last time she was on TV, I believe, and just can't lose too many times in a row. She just doesn't do that. <laughs> uh, then we had the Mexican Trio's final. Uh, which had Cancer Robo, Raziel, and Virus against Garao, Maya Jr., Star Jr., and Stuka Jr. Lots of uh, multi-generation wrestling here. Uh, Cancer Robo, Raziel, and Virus came out on top on that, so they are now our Mexican Trios champions. Uh um, then, uh, then we had Caristico and Mistico against Angel de Oro at, and Terrible. So the uh, that would be the Nuevos Ingobernables we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Caristico and Mistico did come out on top on this, but of course there was lots of uh, Ingobernables like behavior in there. So uh, I don't think we've seen the last of this this matchup. I think that's going to be a feud that they're going to run for a while. And then uh, the last match of the day, Atlantis, Euphoria, and Volador against Barbario, Cavanario, Gran Guerrero, and Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, the uh, Atlantis, Euphoria, and Volador team did come out on top on this. This was definitely not the match that it should have been on paper. Um, 
Dusty saw some clips of it. I saw some clips of it. Poor yeah. Atlantis is he, uh, he's looking his age. Yeah, yeah. he is. Uh-huh. Oh. You know, it's 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 always nice when uh, you have these these older stars that really go. But I mean, this this the downside of it is sometimes they're you're gonna have they're gonna have a bad day or they're not gonna heal as well. And I kind of felt like that was going on with this. Yeah. He hasn't been the same since he had the knee injury. Yeah. Um. But that was the, the anniversary show. That was our big iPay-per-view. They did announce another iPay-per-view, which is going to be the Copa Dinastia. That will be on May 28th. Again, it'll be on uh, on the Ticketmaster Mexico site, which does not have video on demand, which is why I didn't get to see this because I was at the doctor's office when this whole thing started. I was very upset. Uh, anyway, uh, May 28th, Copa Dinastia. It sounds like what it is, what that's going to be is a one night tournament. I, so you can kind of infer who might be involved and who might not be involved, but I'm sure they'll start making, uh, they'll start making some announcements about that soon. And now for the the uh, the big news, the one that that got me to sit up and go, what the heck just happened? <laughs> ROH and CMLL have formally disbanded the alliance so much so that CMLL went on public media to say, hey, we're not working with those guys anymore. Um. There's a lot of speculation as to why this would be going on. Uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, CMLL has been kind of shifting directions under new management after all of that, all of the, uh, management handling had happened. The, uh, the, the owner, this is a few years ago now, right, Dusty? I can't. I time moves weird. Yes, it's. It, I feel like it's been at least five, four or five years, but yeah. I. I mean, it's been a while. Time has moved, but uh, yeah. they've. They they've been. There was that that initial period of people kind of holding their breath, and now it it feels like uh, they're just not. Not serious enough moves happening is what the majority of fans are saying. Like they they don't you know they're just gonna let fruit rot on the vine as it, it as it were. I believe that was the metaphor I heard. Uh, and and so maybe ROH didn't uh, sweeten the pot enough for them, or maybe uh, as as uh, other people speculated, maybe it's related to the fact that. ROH has a roster full of people who uh, have left CMLL, and maybe they just don't want to have a working arrangement with them anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't know. Was, yeah, he specifically yeah. negotiated his contract outside of CMLL last time. Yeah. So they're starting to be seen as small time and small pay in an odd yeah, way. That's a good point. There was a they, lot of conjecture this week about what Mascara Dorada had been play, paid. When he was, you know, Grand Metalik, when he was CMLL champion, <laughs> like what he made per match. And it was pretty eye-opening. Was from a very bizarre point, uh, perspective, too, because that was mostly about Kenny Omega having four belts. 
Yeah. And then somehow it evolved into CMLL doesn't pay their wrestlers enough because Grand Medley. That's, that's a rabbit hole. That has come mm-hmm. quickly. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, Mask, he had four belts. He's one of the other, he's, he's one of the people yeah. outside Pan who had four, four belts at one time and that was brought up. And then, uh, you can't put a fact up on the internet without somebody else going to the well, actually. And that's where money started to come in. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, it's, it's a point. Uh, I, I know for a fact that a large number of people, even at the top of the card on, on CMLL have day jobs. And I mean, you don't, you don't hear about that. Like here in the States, that's unheard of. Nobody working even the middle of the card for AEW which is the closest thing to a large independent we've got has a day job. Like they've all gone full time into wrestling. Uh, I mean, I don't think even ROH, I can't say for sure. I don't think even the majority of full time talent for ROH has a day day job. But uh, even if you've got belts and uh, according to that same thread that, that, Dusty was talking about belts just meant that you could get paid less in certain cases because they that they thought that would help you sell more merch. Uh, you, wow! You, you don't, yeah, yeah, right. I don't understand that logic. <laughs> they it, it's it's like it's like tipping in America, yeah. right? They yeah. they you can make more money off of tips, so we're not going to pay you minimum wage we're gonna pay you less than minimum wage and you'll make it up in your tips and that's more or less what it is you're champ so you're popular you'll you'll sell more merch and we don't have to pay you as much like that blows my mind that that, that's where they (laughs) but that's more yeah and i mean i've heard similar things for triple a i've heard that the majority of wrestlers in triple a also have day jobs i can't say it as as with as much conviction, but I sure as heck wouldn't be surprised to know that Psycho Clown waits tables somewhere, or, uh, whatever it is he does. In the mask, that's what I'm picturing. I was gonna say, I, I, could, ex- I could see him be a successful real estate agent, actually. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm, so it gets, it gets weird, uh, in that respect. A lot of people, so CMLL, in most ways, in my opinion, and a lot of other people seem to be agreeing with me, just not as not quite. They're they're like WWE. They they they've got a way that they want to do things. They've got an established fan base. They are, in fact, the oldest promotion in the entire world at this point. Um. So they they but that also means that they. They can be a little out of touch. They can mm-hmm. they can think that the, they can get away with paying wrestlers less because everybody wants to come and work for them. They can they can think that uh, by doing classic lucha libre matches, uh, which I mean fans like me genuinely appreciate, but there's fewer and fewer of us in the world that they're going to continue they can just continue doing what they've always done and not have to worry about it and that seems to be the case and uh that was that's the benefit of having an ROH deal is you could get a an infusion of new talent 
as part of this exchange going on. And obviously, New Japan, who has an arrangement with them too, has been doing that for generations. That's how we got Shinsuke in Japan, uh, in, in Mexico, and how we got uh, Lij is because they they came to Mexico first and worked with the Ingo Bernables and brought all of that back with them. Um, and that brings up another question: like, it is, is the ROH deal was largely to keep uh, New Japan happy? Like New Japan was like, you guys should be friends. You should hang out more. And so what's going to happen with that, especially since uh, New Japan seems to be perfectly fine working with uh, AEW and ROH. And they could easily just start working with uh, with, with uh, them to, to start poaching luchadors that are already working in the United States and have one less obstacle of getting them out of Mexico. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, we when we started talking about this, you guys had a bunch of thoughts, and I've been rambling. So, I mean, if you guys have anything you want to add on this subject, um, well, the the rumors that I heard based on it were that uh, CMLL were quite unhappy that several Ring of Honor wrestlers, including Matt Taven, were booked for Federacion, and they basically went to Ring of Honor and said, you need to get these guys to cancel the bookings. And Ring of Honor was like, well, we can't do anything about it. We only have contracts with them for U.S. and Canada. And so that was kind of the end of the Ring of Honor deal. And that kind of jibes with them finding out on social media. And the sour grapes CMLL has had lately. I mean, first the Bandito thing, now the Ring of Honor thing. It just makes them look like they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. And it feels well, weird. Well, I mean, which has unfortunately always been kind of the, the vibe I get. Like they will, they will make very ugly moves just to spite somebody else because i will once again i will point out the first expo lucha here in the united states uh had a huge lineup of stars from cmll when they first started announcing it which is what got me to buy a ticket because i knew triple a guys and indie guys i could eventually see them they would they would come to a super indie show and i would see them but i the chances of me getting to see somebody who only works out of arena mexico and arena guadalajara and a couple you know i wasn't going to see those guys so i was super excited they announced after they did that wave they announced the first person from triple a psycho clown and then the uh, day after day after that, they slowly the the CMLL people slowly announced that they were withdrawing from being at Expo Lucha, and and I mean Kevin has his story on why it happened. Uh, the internet has their theories on it, but it seems like it, it's, it's largely we don't like those guys. We don't want our guys to be around those guys, so we're just going to tell them they can't do this show. And that's been the face of CMLL's, like, publicity to me this whole time. Like, they don't ever seem to do a move to make everybody look good. They do a move to... (laughs) Yeah, just even the announcement that the partnership has ended. That's Mm -hmm. something that I don't think a lot of people 
would have guessed that they would have done um, or is this thing that you announced so publicly um, I think right. I think for two kind of people forgot about it so you could have easily just kind of let it sit and then if it were to be brought up um, you know mention it maybe in a press conference or some other type of documentation but they went out of their way to specifically out of nowhere seemingly uh, you know inform um you know, the public that this partnership was no longer happening. So even just the way that they announced this seems like an alignment with what you guys are saying as far as um, maybe some of the actions that they take and how unhappy Mm -hmm. they've been or just Mm -hmm. almost a little bit of the pettiness. Yeah, no, it it gave me bad breakup vibes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I, I can't, I I don't, I'm not hanging out with her anymore. I don't, I don't. <laughs> Who? I don't know her. Yeah, it does have that feel, though. Yeah. So, um, man, well, you know, stay tuned to this show. Stay tuned to LuchaCentral.com for more information uh, regarding what this means for CMLL in the future, what it means for Ring of Honor. We'll get into some Ring of Honor news a little bit later on, um, but huge developments for CMLL yeah. um, as far as this partnership no longer being um, in existence, no longer happening. Um, but we will uh, see what it means next. Real quick, I do want to say that uh, Pep on the, the Spanish weekly show is following up on this very closely so we have we have our our best guy on it so hopefully yeah. we will have lots of information for you in the weeks to come but uh this is all still really fresh right now so yes. well we are going to change gears uh dusty's gonna give us some triple a news yeah, just some quick information. Uh, like we mentioned last week, Rhea de Reyes has been announced for this weekend, Saturday, May the 1st. It's in an unknown, unknown location, unknown state, so it's, you know, an empty arena show, just like we're kind of used to. But unless you're in Mexico, it's going to be very difficult to watch this. We chatted amongst ourselves in the Lucha Central group about it, and the consensus is that it's just going to be too difficult to track it down to do a live stream or anything and so yeah difficult show hopefully we'll get to see it sooner rather than later the card has five matches first up we have dynastia versus toxin aramis litigo and ariz second we have octagon jr versus taurus and a mystery competitor in a triple threat for the vacant triple a latin american title our third match of the card is Fabi Apache, Lady Shawnee, Flamer, Cheek Tormenta, Lady Maravilla, and a mystery competitor for the Reina de Reina's vacant title. And then our Ray de Reyes match is Laredo Kid, Tejano, Murder Clown, Aerostar, Drago, Abismo Negro Jr., Io del Vikingo, and Miss Disease Jr. And our final match is Pegano and Psycho Clown versus Chessman and a mystery competitor. It's yeah, it's a it's really stacked card. It's exciting. Yeah. I hope we get the chance to see it. Um, you know, I if you look around, you may be able to find it this weekend. Who knows? I'm hopeful, but I I'm hopeful, but 
yeah, I, I'm not presumptive. <laughs> but And then also in AAA news, we had Daga dropping his belt. He announced on Sunday that he, or Saturday rather, that he was dropping the Latin American Championship due to both travel issues and because he felt there was no one for him to defend it against. But earlier in the pandemic, he was living in Tijuana. He appeared at Triple Mania. He, he was there, but he hasn't been seen since then. He and Tessa may be living on this side of the border now. There's kind of some rumors, you know, that she might be joining a wrestling company. So who knows where they're at? There's been no real word on if this is the end of the line with AAA for Daga or just the end of him being champion. But it'll be interesting to see what happens and see where this goes, especially with Federacion now forming. Um, you know, Daga was a member of La Rebellion originally, so it wouldn't be out of line to see him kind of go do his thing with Federacion too. I, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, a lot of possibilities out there and a lot of unknowns in Mexico at the moment. And AAA is not immune from that. So it will be exciting to see what comes of this. Yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, one of us will be able to catch the show this weekend. So, you know, if you're, Really excited to see it. Just reach out to us on the socials, which we'll drop later. And if we've got it, we'll uh, cue you in on the yes. down low. We're not gonna we're not gonna put this on blast because it'll get taken right. down right away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I'm sure information will be available as far as match results will be available on LuchaCentral.com. Yeah, I'm fairly confident that Pep will just be magically there somehow. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, well, we talked about Ring of Honor earlier this week, Brendan. We do have a brief update on Ring of Honor this weekend and Ring of Honor in particular. Well, yeah. So, uh, we had our, we had our payoff lucha match. We had, uh, I, uh, I keep wanting to call them violence forever, but that's the MLW <laughs> tag team. Um, so we many had, violent names. Literally, yes. we just talked about this. <laughs> violent by design, violent. Uh, yeah. uh, no, yeah, violent. Vi- no, violence unlimited. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Violence unlimited. Violence unlimited. Yeah, there it is. Uh, that's Brody King's group. Uh, so we had Brody King and, uh, Tony Deppen and Gage in this match against LFI. And, uh, as you can imagine, because, you know, violence is on one side of the table and ungovernable is on the other side of the table, this match didn't really, I, I mean, the bell rang. <laughs> that was. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a match being like, oh, the bell rang. <laughs> of, the, of the review. It's, it started. <laughs> But, I mean, it started before the bell rang, they started brawling, the bell rang, they brawled, then they, you know, I mean, like, you, it, it, it was just mass chaos. It is, if you were looking for a Lucha Libre technical match, this was not going to be it, even though, I, I, honestly, both sides could do really good scientific wrestling if they wanted to, but they were out to just destroy each other and they were tearing apart the ringside area eventually time limit was called and, and then uh, of all people the foundation came out and started beating more people up like again this goes back to me not liking this booking of 
having the 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 faces and the really I want to purify wrestling come out and go oh well let's get involved in this brawl too, yeah. but yeah so you ended the show with uh with all three factions just brawling and and like I mean we you know that's where they were still fighting when we went off the air for all I know they're still fighting. They could be fight forever taken <laughs> uh, literally. Yeah, yeah. literally. But it was it's it's very fun. Uh, it it's forwarding that they're doing this this brawl, which is going to be three ways now, and um, the foundation is going to have. Uh, there's going to be very interesting storyline, in my opinion, of where are they going to draw the line of what's how what is too far, uh, and then of course LFI is probably not going to have any qualms about that line. So you know, good times. Um, so the, yeah, that was our episode this week. There was a, that was our main event. Uh, then, uh, on Wednesday, as we talked about last week, they started the Women of Honor show and uh, there were a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, it was all, I believe it was all Texas women. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that that's something that uh, Maria Canellis, when she was doing press for uh, Women Division Wednesday, mentioned that they're utilizing a lot of sta- a lot of um, wrestlers from Texas. Um, yeah. So that is a, a hub right now um, for not only wrestling, but women's wrestling, uh, because we've seen uh, Texas wrestlers in AEW and yeah. NWA. Um, so it's a good time if you are a, a female wrestler and you're, you know, looking for a hub, it seems like Texas seems to be, you know, the next, uh, hub in wrestling. Well, yeah. And specifically what I was getting at is these, uh, three of the four of them have been mainstays at, uh, Mission Pro. So I think they were all four from from Texas, but three of the four, Laney Luck and Roxy, uh, uh, have all they've they've been doing Mission Pro Wrestling. They are either being directly trained by Thunder Rosa or they work with Thunder Rosa, so they are all lucha trained. Yeah. Um. It, it was a it was a, a tag team match, two on two. Uh, Max the Impaler being the odd woman out. She did not wrestle very lucha at all. But with a name like Maxi Impaler, you kind of don't expect. You get that. the gist, yes. <laughs> so, um, but it was uh, great to see, yeah, the the show back. Great to see, um, you know, just the debut and really being able to showcase um, some independent talent that you know, again, for some people they're familiar with, for others not. So I think it was a good start to uh, this new chapter in the Ring of Honor Women's Division. Yeah, it's a fun match for sure. It's uh, it's only 15 minutes because uh, tag team matches in ROH are only 15 minutes, so it's an easy thing to sneak in, like you know, in between uh, video games or whatever it is you guys are doing in lockdown these days. So totally go check out that match. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have more of LFI in the upcoming weeks. Uh, so ROH is, is probably gonna look really big on the, uh, lucha front in the very near future. 
So for the final segment of this week's show, we're going to be talking about Impact Wrestling. Um, and we had the Rebellion pay-per-view this past Sunday where history was made. Before we get into the main event, a few notes. We had a triple threat match for the Exhibition Championship. TJP versus Josh Alexander versus champion Ace Austin. Um uh, you know, this match itself, again, classic, but really, really good way to start this pay-per-view as far as the X division. Um, a very interesting win for some people who may think about this. Uh, but, um, Josh Alexander won the match, um, by ankle lock, um, and, getting the getting the win becoming the new exhibition champion this is his first singles title um in impact wrestling so a former tag title holder um longest reigning tag team uh champion with the north but this is his first singles title so um again i mean you see classic tjp with the mamba splash uh trying to deliver it uh more than once um with the distraction of madman fulton and you know ace austin still just being ridiculously fast and quick and smart so really just dynamic match um and i think it's a great way to to crown a new champion i'm a big fan of josh alexander and the work that he's been doing in his singles run and um i think he'll be a great x division champion we also had an eight man tag team match violent by design uh versus james storm eddie edwards willie mack and chris sabin uh the big note from this match was the debut of w morrissey um who took the place of eric young um formerly big cast uh of the wwe um and he looked great in this match he was actually the person who uh earned the pin for his team um he Unfortunately, Willie Mack was on the opposite end of a big ass boot from uh, Morrissey and took the pin. Um, so that was where we got to see Willie Mack during the Rebellion pay-per-view. Not a whole lot, uh, but, you know, still being able to get featured on this big pay-per-view is, is great. And again, always a positive attitude. We did get to see him again a little bit during the title versus title match. He came out with Rich Swan in his corner. Kenny Omega came out with the Good Brothers and Don Callis. And this story was all about, you know, that very big underdog with, with Rich Swan really doing his best to throw everything that he had at Kenny Omega. But Kenny had really still this cocky attitude throughout the entire match. Even though he got hit hard, um, I think that he, I mean, and and we all knew how this match was going to end. Um, but you could see in the way that he kind of tried to draw Rich towards him and kind of, you know, play mind games with him that Rich was, came out with everything that he had. Um, but it was towards the middle and the end of the match where you could see he was just exhausted. And uh, with a series of V-triggers to the head and neck of Rich Swan, that just really was the final pieces of the puzzle um, for Kenny Omega, where he was able to land the one-winged angel for the win and become the Impact World Champion. So he is now, as mentioned earlier, the belt collector. He now has four belts 
between the AEW World Championship, the AAA Mega Campeon, and then the Impact World Championship plus the TNA Heavyweight Championship. So he has lots of belts. Um, and I think for most fans, we knew that this is, this was what was going to happen. Not many people are surprised, but also I think not very many people uh, are, there's a mix of people who are happy for Kenny, but aren't really thrilled for what this means for, for Impact Wrestling. We did have Impact this week on Access TV, um, where, you know, Impact Management came out, Scott Damore, really saying a few interesting points. One was that there was no rematch clause between Rich Swan and Kenny Omega. So Rich Swan was not granted at this point, has not been granted a rematch uh, for the Impact Championship. Also, that they are going to be doing a number one contenders match, and they are having it a six-way number one contenders match that's going to be held at Under Siege. And over the next few weeks, we are going to see uh, the um, qualifier matches to determine who's going to be part of that six-way match. Um, and so we are looking for a pretty much, it seems like you're going to have this number one contenders match and then whoever wins that will be the one facing Kenny Omega for the impact world championship. Um, and so we're going to see that over the next few weeks. Um, one of those matches that have already happened this week was Chris Bay versus Jake something in which Chris Bay won. And so he's already included in the match. Um, and then the other thing, too, about this week was that Scott Demore um, was teasing that if Kenny Omega did not show up on this week's Impact, he was going to get stripped of the Impact World Championship, which left people, including myself, to believe that's how they're going to take the title off Kenny. Uh, but, no, he showed up at the very end and uh, attacking Eddie Edwards um, and Sammy Callahan. Um, that led to Finn Juice coming out because, uh, the Good Brothers were on, uh, Kenny's side. So, for Under Siege, we are gonna get Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice. That has already been established. Another big moment, uh, an announcement that came from this week's, uh, show is that El Fantasmo is going to be making his debut next week on Impact. Um, so Impact's partnership with New Japan seems to be going very strong. Um, yeah. On the other hand, as far as what we're at with AEW, I think there was still this hope that, you know, through the buildup and even when Kenny winning the belt, we were going to see a lot more crossover. Um, but we haven't. And it seems like the winner of this Forbidden Door uh, series has been New Japan because not only is New Japan having some airtime on Impact, they're getting some airtime on AEW as well because it was announced that there is going to be a New Japan match um, on on AEW. And, and they openly talk about New Japan on uh, AEW television, but Impact barely gets a mention. Um, so <laughs> I just it, – it still really bothers me knowing knowing what I know, knowing that this was going to be the outcome either way. It seems like it really is more of a one-way partnership where it is about impact building the stories, impact having all of this time, and that really the only benefit they're getting from this is Kenny coming to impact, but it's not reciprocated. Not in the least. 
I'm just curious real quick, your guys' thoughts on that. Now that we officially have Kenny Omega as, you know, the Impact Champion and, and he's on his way to collecting all the belts. Because I think this also has implications for the AAA Mega Campion. I mean, we I just saw too. it right now. Like, Daga just vacated uh, his championship. The Reina de la Reina's championship is is now up for grabs. You would think that someone who is barely defending, you're going to have a, you know, big AAA show and really, Kenny Omega is only going to be defending the the Mega Campion once a year. Is that fair? Well, yeah, I mean, you do have to to keep in mind that uh, it is a lot harder to get to to and from Mexico right now. So, right. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't want to make excuses because I think a lot of this is pretty one way. I don't I don't Absolutely. understand how so many people agreed to this. Uh, the, I mean, the, the big line, silver lining here is they did get an incredible buy rate on their pay-per-view and, and they are getting increased numbers and viewership. So they are benefiting, but it's not as, uh, as much as it could be if they were to, to have, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of this arrangement, like private party looked like looks like a, a an impact tag team so why not have them going over there more why not having you know have a little more of an arrangement I, I i mentioned off the air that the rumors are that this is all there's there's a lot of very explicit stuff in black and white somewhere that says what they can and can't do so i'm just wondering if it's it if uh for some reason their hands are tied and that's why they're not not doing it that's the only sensible reason i can think of but i, I mean we're talking like, about wrestling so sensible isn't always there sorry yeah i don't know i just feel like they seem to value the partnership with new japan more than impact maybe that they feel like there's more of a return on investment and and they're able to do it I, i'm not sure you know i i don't know why they wouldn't be able to have and i don't maybe it is a television thing but i highly i don't know my my gut is just saying how how much could it be where so you know it is a network thing i don't know yeah so uh, on numbers speaking new japan brings more new eyes to aew than impact does mm-hmm. because new japan brings japanese viewers who don't have access to american cable television so they may bring the, that that may bring viewers to them that they can't, they won't be getting otherwise. AEW is competing with Impact mm-hmm. in a lot of ways for for wrestling viewership, so they're not necessarily going to get a lot of new eyes by yeah. having a well, AEW fans. Yeah, and like I said, New Japan is the winner in all this because they're getting yeah. airtime on two different U.S. products. Yep, and they have their own U.S. show, so mm-hmm. they're you know yeah. Which falls right into what their branding was going to be before the pandemic happened. They wanted to come to North America in a big way and make a strong Absolutely. showing. And here they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm i cautiously optimistic of what this means. It's still a very confusing partnership, I think. That's just what it is. Like, it doesn't, it's not even a partnership, it's a business relationship. And as much as AEW has strove to be, well, we'll work with anyone. Well, define work. Define what that means. Yeah. Like we see, you know, the fact that the way that they treat their partnership with New Japan seemingly very different than what they do with uh, Impact. 
that's already that's that's there. You know, it seems like they intentionally did not want to put in as much effort to promote rebellion. Um, and also impacts now championship is with Kenny Omega, you know, will be hopefully that he can continue to work. Um, and, and impact is different where they do pre-record their show. So they've already done, you know, several weeks of TV tapings, whereas he could still be fresh on, um, AEW television, but you know, how sustainable is that? And, and really too think about who's going to end up, the good news is whoever pins Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship is going to be a made man. Um, oh, however, yeah. when that happens, you know, it could be something as simple as a month from now, or it's still Kenny's getting another belt because of New Japan's coming into the mix. Maybe he has a, an opportunity to get a New Japan belt, and maybe when he reaches Thanos level, then that's when, you know, the story comes to its conclusion. I don't know. Uh, but as a fan of Impact, I'm still worried that their world championship is not with someone who's on their roster and could easily disappear from them for a while while he's busy doing AEW things. Yeah, I, I think it's good that they did the we'll strip him of the title thing right off the bat because that leaves that, that door open for that to happen at any time. So it's not going to come out of nowhere if they decide that's what they need to do to get the, that championship back. Yeah. But still not a way that you want, to, you know, just, yeah. cause then, and then, cause then he doesn't put anybody over. Nope. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that, which is the worst case for them. But I mean, it's still better than not having your championship defended for an entire year because he's too busy doing other things so who knows we'll hopefully it doesn't come to that well ladies and gentlemen we've reached uh, the end of another edition of the lucha central weekly podcast thank you so much for listening to us don't forget to visit LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also check out Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram at Lucha Central and on Twitter at LuchaCentral.com. You can check out the Facebook page that has lots of great content, including interviews and matches. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321, the numbers, 321, T-shirt guy. T-shirt guy is all spelled out. So 321, T-shirt guy. I am on Instagram. I even logged in today. I am on Facebook, and I am all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me uh, at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out, on Facebook and Instagram, no Twitter. Don't forget that if you are an independent wrestler or an independent promotion, feel free to reach out to us uh, with any videos or content, um, and maybe you can be featured on um, a future Indie Roundup segment. And while you're at it, if you're listening to us on some of your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Podbay, iTunes, Google Play, you can subscribe, rate, and review. So you can subscribe and get notifications every time a new episode drops. You can leave us a five-star rating, and you can give us a review. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know things about the show you like, that you don't like feedback, but also your thoughts on, you know, do you agree with us? Do you not agree with us? 
what's happening? What are your thoughts? We want to know. So go ahead and tell us through our social medias or leaving us a review on any of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will be back next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.